0: Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger, President of Measurable Results LLC and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, go to supply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm Martin Harshberger. Uh, This morning, I have Tom Lyons, Senior Vice President and Business Development Officer of Byline Bank. Welcome, Tom.
1: Thanks, Marty. Happy, happy to be here.
0: Let's talk, let's talk about Byline Bank. What do, you, what do you do there?
1: Byline Bank is a, uh, we're a publicly traded company. We're based in Chicago. Um, the division I work for is called Small Business Capital. And what SBC does is originates loans predominantly through the Small Business Administration. We also do about 10-15% of our business is through the United States Department of Agriculture. Uh, specifically, 7A lending, 504s, uh, B&I loan guarantees through USDA. Um, most banks tend to dance around and maybe even shy away from government guaranteed lending at small business capital. It is all we do. If the, if the loan request does not come with a government guarantee, we actually don't touch it. Um, so a little bit of background on me, my division here and our, uh, our parent company byline bank.
0: Okay. Let's talk a little bit. I I didn't know you did USDA, um, because I've been involved with both the USDA guaranteed loans and, and SBA.
1: Sure. Uh, what's the difference between the two? So difference in priority, you know, both loan guarantee programs are, you know, authorized by Congress. Uh, The difference is that the Small Business Administration, their intended benefit is to U.S. small businesses. The USDA's intended benefit is to investment in rural communities. Sometimes that's to a small business. Sometimes it's to a big business. But the test on eligibility with USDA isn't necessarily small or big like it is with the Small Business Administration. The word small is right in their name. Uh, USDA just wants to make sure that uh, government-guaranteed capital gets directed to rural communities as well.
0: What's, what? How does a business, and what's the advantage of a business talking to you relative to, to uh, guaranteed loans versus dealing with local banks?
1: So <clears throat> I, the advantage of talking to me is to make sure that they've got all of their options covered. Nothing against local banks. Uh, we, especially at Small Business Capital, don't pretend to be all things to all people. We don't uh, offer you know, a million different products. Our customers are all over the place. We, we don't have a branch network. We don't have offices throughout the United States, um, but we do facilitate transactions throughout the United States and, and, and uh, U.S. territories are also eligible as well. Um, basically a lot of banks, and the data back me up on this, a lot of banks either um, are large enough that they have the scale to justify an entire silo devoted to SBA and USDA loan delivery, or unfortunately, the program has grown so onerous and so complicated over the last couple of decades that they're just raising their hands in resignation and, and we're not even touching it, or they'll try to do anything else they possibly can in order to avoid going SBA or USDA or going through a government guaranteed program. I don't blame them. I've been on that side of the, of the operation as well. Um, the, the problem is there are uh, benefits that small business owners are entitled to. Uh, and if nothing else, they should probably kick the tires on what we can potentially offer them to at least give them an informed decision. Um, Say what you will about SBA, say what you will about our elected officials and and our uh, our agents of the government, Uh, but with all due respect to them, they care far more about the U.S. economy, they care far more about the job-creating potential of the United States small business owner than they do about the bank that's facilitating the loan. Uh, I don't think I'm out of bounds saying that. Um, So, if the small business owner knows what they're eligible for, it they they might be uh, they might realize they've got more benefit coming to them than maybe they they thought. So,
0: let's uh, let's define small business as it relates to SBA loans. I mean, you talk small business. uh, A lot of my listeners and 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 my class clients are are really mid tier companies. So, what what defines a small business?
1: So, there's actually two tests, and you have to pass either of them, but not both necessarily. Um, One is an industry-specific test. Um, Based on your industry code, it would be a number of full-time employees, it would be a number of uh, top-line revenue, uh, and it would vary industry to industry. Um, There's also an alternative size standard, which is uh, $15 million of net worth and $5 million of net income. Um, So it's actually a large middle market companies can sometimes even qualify as a small business under the SBA's definition. Um, One of the things that you, you, as you get into the weeds on some of the rules here, a lot of the rules on what is a small business were written maybe even decades ago in the 80s, perhaps. Um, And as businesses have grown more and more uh, labor efficient, um, what used to qualify as a small business by a headcount actually just, now is used by large businesses, 500 employees. My goodness, that could be a $50, $100 million manufacturer today. But, you know, 30, 40 years ago, 500 employees, that was a still, you know, still a good size operation, but not what you'd call, that would still still qualify as a small business, you know, a few decades ago. So in any event, uh, a lot of businesses that don't even know they qualify do.
0: What's the advantage uh, to a business owner to, to talk to you rather than, than just going straight to the bank and? I mean, what benefits can they see uh, relative to what they gain locally?
1: Sure. So um, last year, we were the number five uh, SBA lender in the nation. Year prior, I think we were number two. We've been top 10 in the nation for a long time. I, I don't know when that streak started. Um, really, what you're going to get is uh, an, an ability to apply the day-to-day expertise to your case quickly. Um, and that's that's really going to be a phone call. That's an email away. That's that's nothing. Um When you're talking to your local banker, um, they're going to be able to provide a number of products we can't. They're going to be able to provide a a local relationship that we can't. Um, I'm not dismissing that at all. Um, But if if you if you want uh, an an actual expertise as to how a specific small business in a specific situation would benefit, um, that would be an instance to to call us. Um, There's a lot of benefits structurally to considering SBA, and there's also a lot of there's a lot of strategic moves that an SBA loan, having that arrow in your quiver can be helpful with. You know, that, that's how I'd kind of start the conversation.
0: So what, give an example of that.
1: Sure. So an SBA loan, we, we often think about loan safety from the perspective of the creditor. How, loan, how safe of a loan is this for the bank to make? And we should, and that's fine. And, and small businesses have an obligation to help their bank feel safe in making a loan. And I'm not dismissing that. But once the deal closes, um, safety is now actually a a priority for the borrower, too. SBA loans are pound for pound far safer to borrow. And I say that because there's a number of structural rules that SBA puts on the lender that uh, are for the benefit of the small business. So, for example, um, when you are a uh, small business and you apply for a conventional business loan, read your fine print. There might be a 10-year amortization, 15, 20 years, whatever the case may be. but almost always there's going to be a balloon clause in that note. And when if it's a one-year balloon, three-year balloon, five-year balloon, whatever you're able to negotiate with your bank, um, once that period of time is over, literally all bets are off. Uh, your bank is under no obligation to renew that loan. Um, they can jack your rate. They can demand more equity, they can call it all. they can call it in. They can uh, demand more collateral they can do whatever they want. And if and if you happen to have had a, a sales dip that year, or there was a, a key hiccup with a vendor, or a key employee walked, or it's just a bad time to have to go through reapproval, uh, all bets are off. Uh, with an SBA loan, your term by rule must match your amortization. So if you're given a 10-year, a 15-year, a 25-year amortization, you're given a 10, 15, 20-year term. You will not face reapproval. Uh, SBA loans tend to be this will vary lender to lender, but they tend to be safer, or I'm sorry, lighter on loan covenants. Um, say what you will about business owners, but most of them aren't walking around knowing their debt to worth ratios uh, and, and uh, their EBITDA coverage last year. Uh, most of them just, it's just not top of mind. Um, so <clears throat> 10 SBA loans tend to be lighter on loan covenants. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll highlight that varies lender to lender. Um, but if you don't have a covenant to comply with, then you don't have a, uh, a covenant that could be risk risking, uh, breaking, uh, what I tell my customers all else being equal and there's generalizations and fine print and, you know, by all means, read your commitment letter, read your loan agreement. But what I tell folks is if you make your payments, if you report your financials on an annual basis, if there's not egregious accounting errors going on in your financial reporting, and if you do not commit a felony then generally speaking, we're not going to be able to touch you during the life of your loan. I'd like to think those are four pretty low bars.
0: Yeah, they are. That's good information because I've had yeah. governance myself. I mean, yeah, you're, uh, I didn't know that much.
1: And, and you know what, Marty? I mean, small business owners, God love them, but they tend to be really good ops people. They tend to be really good at making a widget or you know, selling a product or um, maybe they have a patent, you know, something like that. And fun, fantastic. That's That's the hard part. Um, the rest of the, the process of owning a business comes with time, you know, HR and finance, right. And negotiating a lease, um, risk management, nobody who's really good at making a widget has those kinds of things top of mind. But if you've got an SBA loan structure on your debt, that gets one more thing that you're not necessarily an expert at. It gets it off your plate.
0: That's really good information. I mean, I, I think that's a good selling point, but one of the things you hear, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking questions based on, uh, what I think the lesson will ask, because I know the answer to this, but is, is it's a, a lot of paperwork, it's convoluted to get an SBA guaranteed or USDA loan. Uh, talk about that a little bit.
1: Sure, the process is gonna vary program to program and lender to lender. Um, so we'll start with SBA for a minute. Um, so byline is a preferred lender. Um, so other than say 5% of the time where there's a quirk in the rule book, uh, once you're approved by byline and by an approved, by a preferred lender, you're done getting approvals. Um, So it's up to the bank to comply with SBA's rulebook. It's up to the bank to satisfy a potential future SBA auditor that we did it correctly. And that's not the small business's problem. So in 95% of files, I'll tell a customer outright, the customer service standard that I want to deliver to you is I want this to look and feel and smell like a standard conventional business loan, albeit one that's got three or four more forms. I can't deny that I'm going to have to send a one-page form 159 in front of you disclosing the application fee. I, you know, um, So there are additional forms, yes. Other than that, the time should be the same. And the uh, amount of brain damage that goes into the process should be the same. <clears throat> then there are instances where um, the rulebook requires that we get concurrent approval from the SBA. This happens maybe 5% of the time. So it doesn't matter that we're a preferred lender. It doesn't matter that another bank also isn't a preferred lender. We all have to go through SBA's office to get concurrent approval. Why a small business that is owned by an ESOP, for example, requires concurrent approval? I have no idea. Just one of those quirks in the rule book. So uh, there's others too. I'm picking on that one. Then, yeah, the process is going to go a little longer. Uh, Pound for pound, it's going to add about eight weeks to the process, and it is going to be painful. And once you're approved by your bank, it is no guarantee that you'll be approved by SBA. Um, On the other hand, still working with a preferred lender can be helpful because they're probably navigating that process far more than any other lender probably would be pound for pound. USDA is a little bit of of a different animal. Uh, USDA is still a federal program, but it's administered by each of the 50 local state offices. And without naming names, some offices are on the ball, very interested in getting credit deployed in, in their state and others are less so. Uh, so Marty, your home state of Mississippi, I've actually done uh, business there. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> others, less so. Uh, so it, the, the, the local state office actually becomes the cook in the kitchen that you need to work with. And some are Johnny on the spot just fine and some less so. So uh, I can't, I, I guess what I'm saying there, Marty, is I can't make a generalization on the speed for a USDA process because honestly, it varies on deal size and on which state we're talking to.
0: Well, having, having gone through both USDA and, and SBA in my background, uh, my past life, uh, the preferred lender thing is something, I guess, that, that people don't, don't understand, where typically you gotta go to a bank to get approved, and then you gotta go to the SDA to get approved, then they come back to the bank. And it's a, with your company, the bank approval is the USDA approval in 95% of the cases. Which does take time uh, off, the, off the clock,
1: right? Yeah, SBA, not USDA.
0: Uh, SBA, I'm sorry.
1: Yes, that's correct. Yep, and if we did it wrong, that's our problem. We'll explain that. We'll clean it up on our audit. Yeah, um, I think
0: it's important for them to understand. to look at a preferred lender versus not that there's anything wrong with other lenders, but
1: that's um, right. The process. That's right. I mean, you know, um, if you've got a if you've got a great relationship with your local bank, and time is of no issue, and for whatever reason, they're going to walk you through the SBA process, or the small business wants to go through the small business process. Fantastic. Um, be aware this is going to take a little lot longer, but that could still make a lot of sense. Um, if you happen to be one of those rule book quirk things, well, then it is what it is. You're going to have to go through it, no matter which lender you go through. But other than that, I would, um, if those two don't apply, I, I, I would, if I'm a small business owner, I would be screening my lender to make sure I'm talking to somebody who's a preferred lender.
0: Let's talk a little bit about uh, reporting requirements. You did mention the fact that um, that, uh, that you, you see annual reports and that kind of thing. I know with USDA, they they I, one of my manufacturing companies, they come in once a year and sit down and make sure I had still everything there. and We have a brief meeting, and that would be it. Uh, do you guys do anything like that?
1: So it's going to vary deal to deal. So SBA will require that we get annual taxes, uh, tax returns, financial state. Uh, uh, Business and individual tax returns and an individual personal financial statement on an annual basis. Uh, From there, the lender's permitted to require more if they want to. Um, We tend to try to treat that on a case by case basis, not really draw any real trends across the board. Uh, USDA, again, it's going to be subject to your local state office. Um, I've seen local state offices have no specific requirements. I've seen some who want annual audits. I've seen some want annual audits and quarterlies. you know, it, like I said, let the haggling begin between state office lender and borrower. Um, those are your you know, three involved parties. Um, so that, that, that's, that's going to be how we do it. Uh, the only other requirement I'm aware of is SBA has a line of credit product called CapLines. Um, <clears throat> and CapLines deals in excess of $1 million will require a one-time annual, it's an annual field audit of the receivables and inventory processing. Um, so that would be something that would be coming with SBA, but only with their line of credit product and only at a million dollars.
0: So, um, theoretically, then you become a full service bank. You can do the term lending on real estate and equipment. You can do the line of credit based on receivables. What about inventory?
1: Inventory is also eligible for the cap line as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's it's funny.
0: Commercial bank typically won't carry inventory, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, that, that's that's not at all uncommon. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if who, who wants a, a pool of dead fish and rotten eggs, you know, um, but uh, um, that's all. That's one of the perks of, of SBA's product. Um, it's funny, though, because one of the on the term side, one of the real advantages of going SBA is if you're going with a conventional loan, it's really funny. And Marty, I'm sure you can speak to this, too. Um, But what the appraisal comes in at often detect often drives what the amount of the loan will be. Um, And that's just that doesn't really start with the business's goals in mind first. It starts with what is the collateral protection of the lender first and then figure out what we can accomplish given that given that number, given that, you know, X figure. And I guess you can haggle a little bit on advance rate. But by and large, when that appraisal comes in, that drives the conversation. And insufficient collateral coverage is not a cause for denial of an SBA loan. You need something more than that. That's by rule. So if there is a collateral insufficiency, that's actually kind of one of the reasons why you want Uncle Sam's guarantee in place. It, it effectively uh, supplants collateral coverage for a lender. Um, so Uncle Sam knows that they're still advancing the U.S. economy and growing jobs and growing vendor relationships, and that's fantastic. The small business gets a loan that actually they might address more of their needs than merely what they've got ready, pledgeable, appraised value to, 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 a, to sign up on a collateral lien. And then the lenders made whole in either event because they'll either get collateral or they'll get SBA's guarantee. Um, so <clears throat> I bring that up because with, a, with the line of credit product, uh, it, it looks and feels a whole lot more like an asset-based product. Uh, all of a sudden, the lenders required to really think about collateral and lock boxes and borrowing bases and advance rates and all that. It really forces the lender to change gears once you start talking line of credit. So yes, we can do inventory. There is a line of credit product. It, it it's just funny how uh, we can go from uh, collateral is not a big deal to collateral is the biggest deal in the world. You know, based on which product we're going with, and, and it's all under the same SBA. So. Um, anyway, if if you have any clients who have, or find themselves in that position, uh, well, here's well, me just So,
0: I think the the uh, most people are used to that. But like I said, when we talked before we started recording. I had a client that that really was ever secured. He had eight million in assets and two and a half million in loans. They had his inventory tied up. He couldn't couldn't take it anywhere else. But he was he was cash poor. Yeah. So. What you're saying. The reason I'm asking that question is a lot of manufacturing companies struggle with inventory. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, WHIP is is always a problem, but even even raw materials, uh, there's a lot of money sitting on the floor, and most banks won't
1: touch that. And and right now, especially, I mean, if if you're in an industry where a supply chain issue is is present, then cash is king, especially yeah. right now. Um, because look, if you've absolutely got to have product here in the next 30 days, period, end of story. Well. Sometimes, Marty, let the bidding begin. And th- that's, that's how we drive who's going to get product here now. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have cash on your balance sheet, though. It means that you've got necess- if you've got the means to, de- to debit it, that's okay, too. Um, but that's going to require that there be an inventory availability for that, for that business owner. It's just that simple.
0: Well, it, it's a requirement, but it's also a benefit to them. I mean, I, I know myself that inventory is a, especially now because of supply chain, people have to buy more because they don't know when they're going to get anything else. Yeah, and can't borrow on that. I mean, it it just drives you in, a, in the cash poor circle, right? That's right. That's right.
1: It. Hey, may, maybe at some point in the next you know year or two, banks will catch up and increase their advance rates on inventory. You know, wouldn't that be nice? But
0: I've been doing this for years, so
1: yeah,
0: huh? <laughs> inventory's never been a big seller in the banks. Banks aren't in the risk business when they're standing alone, right?
1: No, I understand. But may, who knows? I don't know. Maybe uh, if inv- if there is such a premium on actual inventory in your warehouse, who knows, right?
0: Yeah, who knows? I'd like to see it. I'd like uh, to see it too, yeah. Is the fact that your preferred lender a national preferred lender?
1: Yes, that's correct. Yeah, we've, we've done, I, I believe we've done business in all 50 states. I know we've done it in uh, um, all of the U.S. territories. I know that. So,
0: so uh, what's your what's your activity level now with uh, coming out of the I don't know if we're, in a recession and coming out of the recession? Right.
1: <laughs> right. I don't know. Right. Um, so uh, I'll tell you what a lot of trends that we've seen. Um, I was hoping before uh, March of 2020, I was hoping before COVID that one benefit of shutdowns, one benefit of stay at home would be that construction costs might finally come down. And it's been the exact opposite. Uh, that not only did they not come down, they skyrocketed even higher than they already had been. Um, so a lot of reasons why that's the case. Um, so not to say we're not doing construction financing. I closed several deals last year on construction. I got a couple more in the hopper right now. Um, but man, uh, your const- whatever your construction budget is, plan on it not translating to an appraisal. And I bring that up because that's a good reason to talk SBA. If you are a small business owner and you need to expand, you need to you know, add space, uh, you need, whatever, the, whatever the deal is, right now, mark February of 2022, again, every market's local. Talk to your local appraisers. I'm not an appraisal expert. However, it's very, very possible, very plausible that the cost you're looking at won't always translate to an appraisal. And if that expansion still has to happen, SBA can be a great option for you.
0: That's, that's good information. It really is.
1: Yeah. So that that's a big one too. And then another about um, third, maybe three eighths of our business is changes of ownership. Um, could be that Tom and Marty are business partners, and um, I'm retiring or you're retiring, and we got to buy the other guy out. Um, wonderful. There's no collateral to foreclose on that. You know, there's real value to the stock of the company that you and I share in this hypothetical scenario, but uh, there's nothing to foreclose upon for a creditor. So, to get one of us retired, uh, unless there's seller financing, it's not, it doesn't really play nice, but that works really well for an SBA deal. And there are a ton of baby boomers who are thinking retirement. Um, so, maybe there's a key employee, or maybe it's just an outright sale, whatever. Um, unless they're going private equity for their exit, um, SBA can make a ton of sense. Um, a borrower can uh, get a very good cash on cash return. Um, You can structure seller financing in there that it's actually safe for your seller's exit too. Um, And again, the absence of hard assets to foreclose upon isn't going to be a deal breaker because the presence of the guarantee helps mitigate that from the lender's perspective.
0: That's good information as well. What didn't I ask you that you want to talk about?
1: Um, You know, I had you on my calendar for today and I thought I'd make a couple of uh, notes. Um, Let me see here. What did I... I guess the thing that I, I guess the only other thing I was going to mention was, um, whatever kind of loan that a business owner is talking to a lender on, if it's an ABL deal, if it's a conventional bank deal, if it's working capital line of credit, if it's an SBA product, whatever it is, try to try to bear in mind that that loan officer isn't necessarily thinking, "Gee, how do I get this deal through my credit people and approved?" They are thinking that too, but that's about only half of it. What they're also thinking about is how do I justify, say we closed on this loan, how do I justify the existence of this asset on our balance sheet to an auditor, to a loan review committee, to the FDIC, to whoever? And the presence of a guarantee from Uncle Sam is basically bringing in, if you've got a million dollar loan with a 75% guarantee, you're basically telling these folks that you've got a $750,000 bond from Uncle Sam as. Collateral for the deal, basically, is what you're saying. Um, it's a far easier loan to justify, which is why businesses who go through that process find the path to a yes faster to happen. Um, because not because of the front end piece, all sorts of businesses that are that have reliable, steady cash flows and stable industries with strong balance sheets, all that good stuff. Um, plenty of those folks don't get credit. Marty, I'm sure you've got a number of horror stories yourself on this, um, but. And it's not because of anything before the closing. It's because you've, the lender isn't satisfied that they're going to be able to sell the deal after the fact. And that's the big thing that an SBA loan, uh, SBA the presence of an SBA's guarantee uh, can, can give you.
0: Well, in my history, uh, it's, it's uh, extensive, obviously. But I, I think the SBA is misunderstood uh, yeah. relative to, to co- uh, company owners or, or, or CEOs. I think it's an afterthought in most cases, because they don't understand what's there and they don't understand the benefits. I mean, I've been doing this a long time and I probably have, I've probably had a few clients that took through USDA. I had a USDA guarantee in one of my companies. I've never used SBA in my companies, but I've only had two people go through SBA loans.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I don't know why, You know, until I met you and we started talking, the benefits are pretty clear. And mm-hmm. I just, one of the reasons for are having you on the show and to publicize this is to say, look, this is a clear option with some clear benefits and, and, and to try to get people to take, take advantage of that.
1: And, you know, and it's funny, so I, like I'm thinking you, you just jogged my memory now of a customer I have that closed in 2016. It was a debt refinance. Um, their business is not in the real estate space, but they're very centered on developers and folks in that industry. Um, they had an SBA loan in 2003. Their lender dropped the guarantee in 2006 because everything was smooth and clicking and we don't need SBA anymore, and this is wonderful. And then 2008 happened. Wow. And uh, if you're in the real estate development space, that was a tough time. Um, so their paper matured. They're not, their formerly SBA loan, now conventional loan matured in the middle of a recession. Wow. And, and the bank wouldn't renew. So uh, had they just stuck with SBA, they would have made the payments, it would have been tough, but they'd have made their payments and they'd have gotten through it. Um, and we refinanced their old conventional loan back to SBA. And the day of the closing, I remember the business owner telling me, I'm never dropping this. Um, it, it's not worth the half a point or whatever the interest rate was, um, the, whatever the interest rate differential. It wasn't worth it for the, for the safety of knowing the bank can never touch me as long as it just make my payments. Um, it, you you, you got to factor that in, right? So, and, and there's a lot of business owners aren't aware of the options because it's not the default option for most banks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: I think that's, I think that's really, you know, for better or for worse, the banks become the conduit of information to the small business owner, unless they're working with you know somebody like you generally speaking. Uh, well, how, what are my options? I don't know. Let's talk to the bank and find out. And if it's yeah. not, if it's not, you know, top of the, top of the tool chest for the bank, it's not going to get out there. So
0: yeah, the banks have been tougher to deal with, too. I mean, they're so large. You know, you talk about regional banks and, you know, in the old days when you had a local bank that you had a relationship with. But, you know, just like here, Bankrupt South was, was my bank here. You know, I've been down here 15 years and they just got acquired. You know, yeah. Or Cadence Bank. So, so the, the advantages of dealing with a commercial bank right now are, are tougher.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think less, there's less advantage and it becomes tougher to deal with.
1: Yeah, no question. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why there's compression in the industry. Um, you know, the, the days of the $100 million bank are over. Um, you know, I, there's something like 4,000 bank charters left in the US. I don't know what there will be in 2030, but less, I know that. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why that's the case. But as banks roll up and get larger, then what ends up getting replaced, what replaces what used to be a handshake, you know, even 20 years ago, Right. Um, it's now a policy. It's now somebody has to sign off on it. It's now, did you check the box? Exactly. Um, I, that trend's not going away.
0: No, no, it's going to get worse. It's, yeah, it's get worse. if anything,
1: it's going to yeah. If anything, it's going to increase.
0: Well, how do folks get in touch with you if they have questions or or you know, they actually call me for sure? And I'd get in touch with you, but that's right. They get touch with you directly.
1: They, that, to, I was gonna. You read my mind. I would say if you need to call me, by all means, call my good friend Marty. Uh, but if he's not around, you can give me a call. Uh, I'm uh, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, my uh, uh, my contact information's out there. We've also uh, there's a website you can look me up, bylinebank.com, and then you can there's a drop down menu you can look up Small Business Capital, which is my division. And uh, I'm 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 the I'm the handsome photo named Lyons. So uh, good
0: deal. Yeah. Next for thanks for your time. I, I think it was educational.
1: Thanks for having me, Marty. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharshberger.com/supply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger. Or through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.